Welcome to the Rise of the Ageless Starman. If you are an investor, a scientist, or an entrepreneur, please join us as we discuss about today's innovation and tomorrow's creation. Together we are here to find out how to make humans creative and vital at any age. Hello everyone, today I'm going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about the uh, coronavirus instead of aging, as they are our request from us to do. My guest today is Amir Armati from Spark Beyond. He is their chief commercial officer. Spark Beyond is one of the most innovative data-driven startups in the world today. Amir is going to explain their product and about their mission and after that we're going to talk about the project they made with the coronavirus and Amir first of all thank you for joining me in those pressure pressure days yeah thank you uh, thank you Gil it's a pleasure to be here Amir tell us a little bit about the company about the product the service and what Absolutely. is your mission mission Absolutely. So, again, my name is Amir Haramati. I'm the CCO of Spark Beyond. Uh, uh, jokingly, we call Spark Beyond the highest IQ refugee camp in the world. Uh, we have refugees from Google, from IBM, from Berkeley, from Stanford, uh, people that can easily write their own ticket to wherever they want to go, but they'd like to be part of something which is bigger than ourselves. Uh, we have a, a group of uh, some of the best mathematicians in the world, some of the best data scientists that really team up to, uh, to join calls, which is not just business, because from the very beginning, we realized that A and I, artificial intelligence, those letters are at present time, arguably the most used and abused letters in English language. And it doesn't matter really what AI stands for, it's really what you do with it. And we took those two letters and we connected it to a simple word. That word is impact. An impact for us, it's not just a business impact, but also social impact. So from the very beginning, we decided to dedicate a good portion of our time and money and bandwidth uh, into social impact from uh, uh, cancer research, where we automate research for uh, early detection of colon cancer, to uh, uh, repurposing of raw material, to uh, 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 modern uh, slavery in Africa, preventing modern slavery, uh, to plastic pollution, uh, to uh, forest fires, and many other noble cases where Spark Beyond is deeply involved. Uh, on a social impact side, our main theme for, 2000, for 2020 and beyond is uh, climate and climate change. And right now we work on some massive project on decarbonization and others. What we actually do at Spark Beyond, we realize that every organization uh, sits on top of a tremendous amount of data. And uh, it comes on you uh, in every way possible, volume, velocity, complexity, uh, it's a, and it's a one-way street. On the same time, if you're lucky enough to have data scientists, you'll find out that more than 80% of the time spent on cleaning data versus working with the data. Uh, so therefore, those two doesn't add up. Now, in addition, we realized that in order to get the right answer, guess what? You must first ask the right question. And while the human brain is still arguably the best tool, unfortunately, the human brain is limited to low dimensionality. There's so much we can see and so much we can process, and it's fairly limited. And on top of that, uh, we suffer from what we call the cognitive bottleneck or the cognitive bias. Uh, you know, Nietzsche said that we always ask the questions where we're in a position to find the answers. 
So we say, what if you can build an ideation machine, an hypothesis generating engine? So whenever the client needs to uh, predict, to explain, to shape, to optimize, uh, to understand root causes, etc., we can run very fast and very deep in every possible direction, not leave a single stone unturned, and then present it, and it's very important, not as a black box, but actually as a glass box. Meaning I'm not going to tell the client do so because I say so. We're actually going to tell the clients, here are the drivers. This is why we think you need to use it and let them decide. The domain expertise uh, will make the decision how to utilize it. Uh, the way we have done it was in a, a bit unusual way because we realized that every hypothesis or every idea is actually built from strong features. Features made from functions. Functions built from snippets of code. So we decided to treat code as a first-class citizen. Uh, as an example, when Google built Search, they built an engine that crawled the web for text. We said, what if we're going to build an engine that's going to crawl the web for open source code? Just to give you a sense about how crazy it is, GitHub alone is more than one trillion lines of code and it's growing by the second. So we started from GitHub, we continued to curate libraries and then to client codes. And eventually, arguably, we found ourselves sitting on top of the largest library of functions in the world. We know, for example, which function translates uh, Chinese to English, which function translates uh, text to graph. We index it by retain type, and now we created this enormous, if you will, layer of raw material or Lego blocks for the hypothesis generation. And on top of that, we build a genetic AI engine that can generate millions and tens of millions of ideas, of hypotheses within seconds, within minutes, within hours, write the code for each one of them automatically, and rank it based on the strength of the signal. Next, we connect it to the client data. Now, client data is imperfect or incomplete or dirty, and clients are spending most of the time cleaning the data. In principle, we tell the clients, please don't. We see tremendous value and rawness of the data, and we don't want the client to wash the signals with the soap, if you will. So we tell the client, your data as is, Arguably, it's much more beneficial, much more effective or valuable than you think. However, it tells only a small portion of the overall story. So the next thing we have done, we harness humanity's collective intelligence on top of it. Now we connected it to news and weather and Federal Reserve data and OpenStreetMap and Wikipedia and census data and social media or anything which is relevant to specific domain or specific geography, you can simply extend it. I'll give you an example. One of the projects we have done was with one of the largest uh, correction facilities in the U.S. Uh, they used the Spark Beyond engine, and, and within three months, we were able to reduce the inmate violence by more than 40%, but simply reassign the inmates in different ways to the cells, just to give you a sense. So what we have done now, we have the ability to take many different types of data from tabular, relational, text, graph, time series, etc., start to generate the millions of hypotheses augmented with external data sources, and then the engine comes out with production-ready code, which can be features, discoveries, predictive model, and prescriptive optimizing models. And then even if we come with the very best feature or the very best model, by definition, those are static features or static model, and over time, you're going to start to lose performance. So what we have done over here, we made the machine a living, breathing machine that automatically, dynamically, constantly can readapt and stay evergreen. Very quickly, we realized this engine can be applied across the board. 
from the largest banks to insurance to telco churn, all the way to pharmaceuticals. We're serving some of the largest farmers in the world, uh, from clinical trials to white spaces to marketing and many different areas, uh, from pharma convingulist, which is a, uh, another very interesting area. And then we use it for telcos, medias, government policies, uh, from palm plantation in Indonesia to copper mining in South America to the largest beverage company in the world to the largest bank and insurance company. And it's become a generic platform that can be applied across the board in every possible way. Now, everything we described so far was referring to data and big data. But sometimes you have no data or data scarcity. That's when we realize that we need to push it to the next frontier. And the next frontier is knowledge. Meaning, if you may remember when IBM Watson uh, beat Ken Jennings on Jeopardy, uh, the, the TV game show in the US, what IBM Watson did at the time, they did something quite interesting. They created a knowledge graph, which now calls Wikipedia. Now it has a name. So Ken Jennings basically was not competing with IBM Watson. He's actually competing with a knowledge graph called Wikipedia. That's the reason we never had a chance. We decided to take it just one step further. And rather than just indexing Wikipedia, let's try to index the entire web. While we're not there fully yet, we made great progress in the last 18 months, and we indexed every publication ever published, every patent ever applied, every clinical trials ever attempted, and created this enormous knowledge graph. So now when you approach a challenge where you don't have data, you can still go to the second engine that we call the web knowledge mining and very quickly start to extract knowledge. I'll give you an example. We were trying to understand what are the cause and effects for human trafficking. So try to imagine you're looking right now on a search engine like a Google search engine, but rather than being at the Google search engine, you're actually looking right now on a Spark Beyond research engine for knowledge. So you just type the words human trafficking and click cause and effects. No data ingested, no context provided. Within about 30 or 35 seconds, the engine will identify that human trafficking is connected to population, population to crime, crime to prostitution. So far, very trivial and very intuitive, but it's validated in the intuitive and trivial. But next, within a minute, it's gonna find a deep underlying driver, which in this case was uh, environmental issues. Environmental issues, we're talking about human trafficking. And then within two minutes, the engine finds drivers like, uh, for example, uh, flooding. Flooding? How, what has to do with the human trafficking? So then we did a quick Google trend, and we found out when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, Texas in September 17, was an immediate spike of human trafficking in the Texas-Mexican border. All of a sudden, we realized we have something very special. So now we use it for repurposing. Now we use it for white space. Now we use it for many different things. So this is the background. Uh, about four years ago, we were uh, selected by uh, one of the largest management consulting companies in the world uh, to be the AI platform. So through them, we have done more than 200 uh, client engagement across every possible vertical, 23 different verticals. Uh, Two years back, we teamed up with Microsoft as a strategic partner, so now we can do it on top of their uh, cloud Azure. So now the combination of those two engines really allows us to apply it almost to any vertical, almost to any problem, and really practice what we constantly say. It's not about predicting the future, it's about shaping it. By understanding the root causes, you can be proactive versus reactive, and that's exactly what we try to do right now on a corona pandemic outbreak. Yeah. Uh, well, I just want to 
emphasize um, what you said is that, like, if I understand it correctly, we you don't need uh, when you don't have the data, you can you can make a process that identifies a few processes and do the um, <clears throat> and provide the insight that will lead without giving like a you know a statistic uh, data set before. Correct. So basically, that's really pushing to the next frontier, which is called knowledge. I'll give you another example, Gil, so to make it easier for you to, to understand. I know it's very complex. Uh, we, when we play with it and started to develop it uh, in October 18, was an interesting geopolitical event, which was uh, election in Brazil. And at that time, uh, the indication, the polls were indicating that Bolsonaro that eventually won is going to become the president. We wanted to understand if Bolsonaro is going to be elected, how this is going to impact the commodity prices in the world. Mm. And in November, I, I spoke in a conference and everything is uh, online right now. Uh, he took office, just to put everything in perspective, Bolsonaro took office in January 19. I got on stage in November, I'm sorry, January 19. I got on stage on November 18. And I presented that this is what we call the causal chain, the causality chain of if he's going to be elected, this is going to lead to environmental to change in environmental policy. That would lead to deforestation and fires in Amazon, and we all know what happened six, seven months ago, which would lead to higher production of corn, which would lead to higher demand of corn-based ethanol, which would lead to higher demand for yeast, for sugar, for cane, etc. So now you can see the entire chain, and we did it, went back to your question, with no data set that we ingested, with no context provided, just using the uh, world data that we indexed prior. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so, so now you can uh, predict, like you know, in election, politician, politician. No, no, we the, don't. We don't. We don't play. We don't. You know, we don't touch two things. And uh, even with a long stick, we don't touch politics. We don't touch defense uh, or military. So this is two areas we don't touch. But when you combine those, by the way, something very interesting happens. Now, if you don't have data, you have this knowledge engine that starts to generate those, uh, the, the world knowledge mining that's come up with unique insight. Then you can fit it to the hypothesis engine. And when you combine both, all of a sudden, you're getting a combination of what we call uh, creating the invention machine or the invention yeah. engine that basically tells you, okay, what's the next product to develop or the next service to offer? And right now, for example, we're working with some of the largest investment banks in the world, how to apply this technology to automate uh, M&A. So you can find out not only which, rather than having some super smart investment bankers that put the collective experience and scratch their head and come up with five or 10 ideas, <clears throat> the agent run and generate 50 million ideas, narrow down to the top 50, explain why each one of them is better than the other, and then let the expert make the right decision. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's what it's almost what I wanted. I wanted to say that there are promises, but you can maybe predict that the promise is not. Yeah, you cannot uh, apply it in reality because there will be a chain of processes. Correct. And you can co uh, give a consultment to a politician on. Correct. And you can imagine why uh, that uh, arguably the best management consulting firm, which is our partner, uh, enjoy very much working with us because that engine I just described, uh, they call it the evergreen uh, 
strategy consulting machine. So how did the, the corona affect you? What did you... <laughs> so, so again, when it comes to corona, uh, you know, I want to put a disclaimer. Spark Beyond is, a, is absolutely a transformation technology that made a huge impact in so many different verticals. By no means stretch of imagination, it's a silver bullet that can solve everything. We're not. Uh, by definition, we can expedite and automate researches. We can do things that no human can do. Uh, we can go to places where data is available. We go to places where data can be augmented with external data, and we can go to places where data is not available, so we can go to knowledge. Uh, and so by definition, we can make things faster, deeper. Not always we're going to find the solution the client is looking for. And when the corona outbreak happened, uh, we immediately realized that we're trying, again, not to be reactive, but to be proactive. And for me, it's in multiple stages. So one, we did an interesting exercise that we shared last night, and I'll be happy to go over it in a minute. Second, we start to think about other elements of the corona uh, pandemic uh, outbreak and understand, for example, how the corona outbreak is going to impact uh, supply chain. So how companies are going to deal with the challenges corona brings up, identify what the challenges are going to be, find alternative and repurposing, and find ways how to address it. Uh, on the other end, as of last night and today, California, for example, uh, decided that people need to stay at home and the elderly need to stay home for a lengthy period of uh, more than five weeks. In the UK, they recommended for the elderly to stay home for the next four months. So how can you manage it? How can you understand what are the needs of the people? How can you address it? And more than that, uh, we wanted to start to think already about the day after. Because uh, last night, uh, uh, Goldman Sachs issued a very interesting report about how they view it and about their research. And they claim that uh, we're going to pass the peak in about eight weeks' time. And they believe, and again, I hope they're right, that the market is going to fully recover by the end of the year. I truly hope it's right. But in any way, uh, post-corona creates a new environment. And I'm absolutely certain that what brought us here will not bring us there. Meaning people are not going to go back to the old habits. I had a call this morning uh, with one of the largest uh, office sharing company that was in the news quite often in the last uh, five, six months. And they realized that whatever the occupancy was as of last week, it's going to be probably less than half post-corona because people that used to work one day at home and four days at the office, now post-corona will get used to do it the other way around. A uh, great indication was when... Uh, uh, the subway system, the tube in London went on strike and people were forced to find an alternative. Once the tube came back on service, people did not come back to the tube, but they used an alternative route they already developed. So understanding, again, what are the root causes, understand the fundamentals and understand what's going to happen the day after will prepare individual companies, organization, uh, governments to prepare themselves in the coming weeks. So again, we'll be proactive versus reactive. Yes, and uh, well, we are lucky that technology allows us to make those maneuvers, even if we get used to work from from home. Uh, I'm sure new products will come out to serve it. And I saw a post of yours uh, with a map of Corona. Can you explain a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So the way, by the way, we approach our clients, and that's the way we do right now with multiple governments, we tell them, listen, 
<clears throat> what we do here is not to bring uh, a single narrow solution. What we do is really bring in the superpowers that allow the combination of the hypothesis engine that can use the data to generate the millions of ideas. And then if you don't have data to combine it with the web knowledge mining that can go for the knowledge and then combine with our team. So what we're going to do, Mr. Client or government A or government B, we're going to work with you. We'll do a brainstorming session, identify what is your biggest pain point. We'll jump on top of it, work with you, run it for you, with you for about three months, but then at the same time, help you to build that muscle that eventually will step out and the client will be able to use the technology and methodology on their own for future reference. While this is a great concept, we still needed to illustrate a specific example. So we used the opportunity that here in Israel again, uh, since last week, uh, the number of uh, corona patients, uh, C the COVID-19 patients started to move up and isolation was required. And we realized that communities need something which is be explainable, uh, very granular and dynamic to understand the risks to navigate uh, in this time, which we all live with, which is extreme uncertainty. So what we have done here, we created the dynamic heat map that predict the places where the carriers of the corona is likely to pass. Of individual building. So if I'm going to a specific store, now I can avoid I go to a different store. And this basically, in this case, the solution provides a real-time information uh, where to avoid visiting, uh, companies now can do the uh, rich risk management in a completely different way, and the government can deploy resources uh, for local disinfection and testing in a, in a dynamic way. So in this case, again, how to deal with social distancing, uh, how we predict the risk to single building, and again, continue to dynamically updates on new cases appear, and that provides a tremendous uh, intelligence, real-time intelligence that provides better decision-making for individuals and government organization. So that, uh, last night, since last night, uh, Microsoft basically jumped on it and said, listen, we're going to take it to every single government we're working with. I was today on phone calls with, with uh, uh, governments all the way from Asia Pacific to Europe to the U.S. Uh, now we're deeply involved, we're already talking about the day after, deeply involved with some of the largest CPGs and retail on uh, uh, supply chain solution. And I'm sure this is just the tip of the iceberg. And in the coming days, we're going to face a, a variety of additional use cases where the technology and methodology can be applied. And for the future, uh, you have any, like for me, it's a little bit uh, scary. I don't want to scare the audience too much, but uh, Corona is not the most um, deadly viruses that we can imagine, mm -hmm. but still it made so much impact, as you as you said, like the world has changed, like the day day to day work environment is going to be different. So next time, what what do you think will the government will do different? Yeah, I think again, first of all, it's a, it's a great uh, wake up call to all of us. And a matter of fact, uh, we spoke a few minutes ago about our commitment to uh, climate change and decarbonization. And I firmly believe they're all combined, they're all connected. And we as humans uh, neglected this uh, place we live at. And this is a call for wake up, wake up call and a call for uh, restart and reset. And I believe, again, uh, this will... Uh, so until a few years ago, we didn't have the ability to digest and process so many... Uh, volumes of data. 
Of course, we never had a chance to go beyond data to knowledge. Of course, we didn't have the computing powers and economics of computing that we were able to do it so fast and so quick and do it on the cloud in no time. And while we have all these great assets, we use them mostly for commercial application without really going back to the fundamental of uh, the health of the place we're part of. This is something that will change, I think, uh, you know, personal hygiene to the way the government assess risk, to the way that we uh, treat uh, when something like that happened, because uh, Italy will not, I hope, what, happened in, or what happens right now in Italy, what's happening in Italy, will not happen again, because the warning were out there. Uh, you know, the red flags was there weeks ago, but people ignore it. So first, I think this is going to change behavior completely. Uh, this is going to put the emphasis in the right place. And it's, this will allow us to be proactive versus reactive. Don't wait for this to happen and then try to react and play catch up to flatten the curve. And I think, again, uh, it's a good thing that it happened with a relatively mild uh, disease or virus. Yeah. We'll be prepared when the big one will come. Better prepared. Hopefully. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Amir. My uh, pleasure. As I said in the beginning, we'll do another episode someday about aging. Wonderful. Looking forward to it. We did some very interesting work on the longevity, and we all need it. So. We're yeah. looking forward to it. I try to prioritize it. <laughs> You're smart, man. Okay. Thank you, Amir. Pleasure. Thank Bye. you. Thank you for listening to our episode. As we heard from Amir, Spark Beyond Technology could provide us questions and insight that we didn't know we didn't know we need to ask. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to go and listen to the episode before with Gil Bashe. Gil is Fint Partners Global Health Management and with Gil we discussed the issue that we might don't know that we know and how better communication between all systems in the health sector could improve research and the treatment for aging. You can find this episode at the rise of the Ageless Starman in iTunes and Spotify. I expect to meet you there.